Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and to overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So just to say to you, I have recently changed my name back to the Eating Disorder Therapist. So I was called the Food Freedom Coach for a while. So sorry to confuse you. Um, This is the same person, Harriet Frew, doing a podcast about overcoming disordered eating. So yes, I'm now called the Eating Disorder Therapist. Okay, what I want to talk to you today is about ambivalence around change when it comes to recovery from disordered eating or an eating disorder. Now, this is something that is so common. And what I mean by ambivalence is being in two minds about change. Okay, so one of the first exercises we often do with clients when they come into the therapy room is we ask them to write a list of all the pros and all of the cons of the eating disorders behaviors and this is to help the person to take a step back and to really acknowledge kind of what they're getting out of the eating disorder but also all the things they're losing from the eating disorder and it's a way to help with motivation for change and helping people as well to understand why they are very stuck. Now it's so common that people are in two minds. You know, I don't think I've ever worked with anyone that's come into therapy and said, yeah, I'm ready to go. Give me the tools and strategies. Um, I want to work on this today. Can we just get going right now? That is really, really rare. It's much more common that people are in two minds. And what's really interesting is that when you get people to do their pros and cons list, they can often write a really long list of all the cons. Um, So it might be things like, um, it's ruining my social life damaging my health, you know, I can't see my friends, I've got no concentration to be able to study, I'm preoccupied with food all the time, I engage in all these horrible secretive behaviours, I feel really isolated and alone, my life has shrunk. Um, So you kind of get the picture, like lots and lots of things that are really quite negative. And then we might come to do the pros list. And sometimes, quite interestingly, the pros list can be quite a lot shorter. So you might have a list of cons of about 20 things, but then the pros might just be five things. But those five things can be very emotionally powerful, okay? And that's because, I guess, the eating disorder is helping someone cope. And it's not that somebody woke up one day and thought, yeah, I'm going to use like disordered eating behavior to kind of help me get through my life. But it just kind of works out that way. And someone can end up in quite a tricky place. So I'm going to talk today about five common pros or five common themes in terms of what gets people stuck at that point of change so you can kind of understand the eating disorder much more from a psychological perspective okay because really if it was just really about oh just eat more or just stop binging um it would be so much more straightforward but actually because it's a psychological coping strategy that is why it's much more difficult to change and when i say difficult to change it's still possible to change but it's just a bit more tricky than just like eating more or stopping binging or whatever Okay, so number one, what is one of the number one kind of coping strategy or pro from disordered eating behavior? And I would say number one almost is numbing feelings, okay? Now, 
if you are preoccupied with food or you are carrying out lots of eating disorder behaviors, if you're having to do so many steps per day, if you're counting all your calories, whatever you are doing, weighing yourself, all those things that take up lots of headspace, um, it really fills up your mind. And that can be a way to kind of really distract and numb from more painful emotions that might be underneath that, okay? And those kind of emotions might have come from a multitude of different things, okay? And so just to kind of give you examples of different client experiences that I've worked with. So I've worked with people sometimes who have had really relentless, horrible bullying, maybe through secondary school, um, which has really destroyed their self-worth and made them feel really, really terrible. And the eating disorder has kind of become a way to kind of numb the feelings and the pain from that. Another example is, um, you know, often around transitions or change, which are very emotionally difficult. So sometimes it can be going off to university. Sometimes it can be kind of moving from one end of the country to another. Um, you know, sometimes those transitions can be really quite tricky. And sometimes the emotional fallout can feel too much, too overwhelming. And the disordered eating comes in as a coping strategy. Other things can be um, bereavements, you know, someone close to you um, passes away who you're very, very close to. Um, it can be all manner of things like the stress of exams, the stress of a new job, the stress in a difficult relationship. Um, all these things can trigger, you know, quite um, intense emotions. And if you don't feel equipped at that point in your life to be able to deal with those emotions and maybe you haven't got people around you who you feel you can talk openly about, you know, what's going on to, then you can use food or exercise or any number of those things as a way to kind of distract and numb from those emotions. Now, obviously, it's easy to say this, but standing back, but it doesn't actually work in terms of because of, in a way, what you're doing with using food is you're just almost delaying feeling those emotions. So you're getting the um, the numbing of the emotions in the present and that's kind of working. But at some point, you're going to have to deal with those emotions. So of course, it's not really an effective coping strategy for the long term, but you can really understand as well why people might do that in the shorter term. Okay, so that was number one, numbing your feelings. Okay, number two, gaining a sense of achievement. Now, sadly in our culture, very sadly, um, it is a way to feel better about yourself. So if you go on a diet and you lose weight, then you will get external validation from that. Um, it's really seen as a good thing. People are always talking about diets, etc, etc. And it can be a very seductive road to go down. Now, again, this tends to be something that you might be seduced more into doing, particularly if your self-worth isn't great in other areas. So say, for example, if you have been comparing yourself a lot to your peers and not feeling good enough, if you've been comparing yourself to your siblings and perhaps feeling like the underachiever or the one that isn't successful in some way. Um, if for whatever reason, maybe you've been in a relationship where your self-esteem has just been completely eroded, it can feel like a very seductive path to 
be drawn towards dieting to try and control your shape and your body as a way to boost self-esteem. And of course, you know, in the short term, again, it can feel like something that's really good. Um, you might get a real boost if you see that number on the scales going down. You might feel like you're doing something that's really kind of morally good. Um, and, um, you know, it might be fleetingly boosting for your self-esteem. However, again, um, it doesn't really work because I think particularly once disordered eating takes a hold, the goalposts always move. So even if you lose so much weight, you just want to lose more. And it's very hard to ever feel good enough. Um, so yeah, not a great strategy, but you can really understand as well why someone might gravitate towards doing that if they're not feeling good about themselves in other areas. Okay, number three, having a sense of control. Now, I think it's a bit of a cliche in eating disorders. People always say, oh, eating disorders are all about control. Um, and I think there is some truth in that. And particularly if you are perhaps controlling your food, you know, when everything else in your life feels out of control, you can feel that at least your relationship with food is one thing that you can really control yourself. And in a way, no one else can really intervene with that in quite the same way. It's a very personal relationship. And I think people often assume as well that it's just perhaps very restrictive eating disorders that give you that sense of control. But actually as well, people can feel a sense of control over emotional eating, compulsive eating, binge eating, because although the actual experience itself might feel quite out of control, it still feels a very kind of um, personal relationship with that food where you are kind of in the driving seat in, and no one else perhaps can really impact that. So particularly if maybe life feels quite chaotic and messy in other areas, um, trying to control your food and your weight and your shape and all that focus can kind of give you that illusion of a sense of control. You know, this is one part of my life that I'm in control of. Okay, number four, um, offering purpose, structure and routine. Now, I know that in lockdown, a lot of people have been struggling with disordered eating and perhaps they have tipped into a worse phase because of the kind of lack of normal kind of distraction and routine of a job or study or whatever else might be going on. So if you suddenly lose that kind of broader focus, an eating disorder can kind of come in and give you that purpose, structure and routine which kind of gets you through the day, relieves boredom and kind of fills that void maybe again. You know, this point's quite linked to the other ones really, but if you're not feeling that great about yourself, if you're kind of ticking off your boxes with what you're achieving with food, then you can kind of get a real kind of, um, you know, a sense of purpose and that you're doing something well. Um, and also it can talk, it can really like simplify your life. Like if life feels really complicated in terms of like trying to find a job, sort out your career, sort out your relationship, all those things. If you simplify your life down to how many calories you're eating, how many steps you're doing, um, how much you weigh, and you start to judge yourself worth on those variables, in a way it kind of simplifies life. It makes it much more black and white. Um, because, and then as well, the things in the background like your job, your relationship, everything else, they don't matter so much. And 
again, that kind of real sense of worth comes from achieving those numbers. Okay, final thing that can be a pro, and I'm just going to say as well that the pros are not limited to these that I've been talking about today, but I'm just giving you a bit of an insight. But the final pro can be a bit of a cry for help, okay? Because sometimes if you can't tell people around you or you feel that you're not in an environment where people can listen, validate how you're feeling, take how you're feeling seriously, then disordered eating can be a way to kind of communicate to others that things aren't right. Now, this is probably more true of anorexia nervosa than other eating disorders because I think particularly when people are struggling with things like bulimia, when there's binging and purging, etc., going on, there can be so much shame around that um, that those behaviours become very secret and actually people around don't always know that things are going on. But say, for example, if, you, if there's a visible change in your weight, whether that goes up or down, it can be a way of perhaps communicating to others that things aren't right. And particularly if you lose a lot of weight, people tend to get really concerned and they will kind of probably step forward, ask if you're okay and want to take care of you more. And if you have felt this is just really hard for me to ask for help um, through words without communicating it in a kind of visible way, um, again, it can be a kind of path to go down and not that anyone would deliberately set out to think, you know, I want to get care from others by losing weight. Um, it can kind of happen and then in a way you might feel reluctant to kind of give that up because you might feel really worried. Well, if I become like normal healthy weight again and I look really well, even if my head isn't well and my, mentally I'm not in a great place, then people aren't going to look after me and care for me and, um, you know, all those kind of good things, I'm going to feel really lonely and isolated again. So that can sometimes be a way um, that people get a bit stuck with their eating disorder. Okay, so that's just given you a bit of a whistle-stop tour in beginning to understand an eating disorder more from a psychological perspective and how it can be seen as a coping strategy. And it is so important to kind of view disordered eating and eating disorder from this kind of viewpoint because if you don't, you tend to kind of go in and try to help someone by telling them like, you know, just eat more or, you know, stop weighing yourself or, um, you know, coming at it on a much more superficial level. Um, and then, of course, that doesn't really acknowledge the deeper coping strategy. And, you know, someone's not going to just be able to just change their behavior just like that without understanding a bit more what's going on underneath. But the positive thing is, once people do understand their eating disorder more from a psychological perspective, they can actually start to think, okay, now I realize I'm kind of coping with life by doing these behaviors. And actually, do I really want to do that? You know, and are these strategies really effective? And actually, how could I cope better in other ways? And of course, that's kind of like one of my main jobs in therapy is really to help people to learn new ways of coping. And that can be a whole range of things um, like learning to manage your emotions better, um, improving like your communication and relationships, and um, dealing with your thinking, learning to be more self-compassionate, 
um, working on self-esteem, just to name a few things there. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I um, hope as well if you've been listening and you're struggling with disordered eating that you might relate to this. And one thing that you can do is, you know, write down a list of your pros and your cons and start to really develop awareness and insight into your own disordered eating patterns. And that can be so helpful. Okay, so if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the Eating Disorder Therapist. And for regular weekly blogs and articles, do go to my website at rethinkyourbody.com. .co.uk and you can sign up on my website on my homepage to get articles delivered straight to your inbox. So thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.